Christ knows them intimately and has already passed through death on their behalf. He is with them in the tribulation and waits eagerly on the other side with the crown of life, promised for those who are faithful to the end. This episode is a reading of an article originally published on July 20th, 2023 at jacebauer.substack.com. To subscribe and get my Substack articles delivered for free, go to jacebauer.substack.com. The link to this article is in the show notes. And to the angel of the church in Smyrna, write, The words of the first and the last who died and came to life. I know your tribulation and your poverty, but you are rich. And the slander of those who say that they are Jews and are not, but are a synagogue of Satan. Do not fear what you are about to suffer. Behold, the devil is about to throw some of you into prison, that you may be tested. And for ten days you will have tribulation. Be faithful unto death, and I will give you the crown of life. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. Revelation 2, 8-11 In the early chapters of the book of Revelation, John records seven letters to seven churches in Asia Minor, directly dictated by Jesus Christ himself. In these letters, Christ encourages, exhorts, and warns the Asian churches so that they might remain faithful to him and reject the idolatry of the culture around them. In this episode, I want to offer a brief exposition of the letter to the church in Smyrna, found in Revelation 2, 8-11. Smyrna was a city on the coast of what is now Turkey that was elegant and prosperous. Jesus' words to the church in Smyrna are wholly encouraging and positive. The only other church that Jesus has nothing against is the church in Philadelphia. Like all the seven letters, Jesus presents his words to the saints in Smyrna with a declaration of his own identity. The words that John is writing to the Christians in Smyrna are the words of the first and the last who died and came to life, verse 8. This description is taken from Revelation 1, 17 and 18, where Christ declares to John, Fear not, I am the first and the last and the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. This identity is the background of what Jesus has to say to the church in Smyrna, and it is incredibly relevant to the message he has for them. In verse 10, Jesus commands his saints to be faithful unto death, and they can rest in this hard command by knowing that Christ has passed through death ahead of them. He has died, and now he is alive forevermore, never to die again. Christ's resurrection is the hope for Smyrna's Christians, who will also face persecution and death for their witness. In verse 9, Jesus sympathizes with his suffering saints. He tells them, I know. How heartening it is to know that our Lord and Savior knows our weakness, our suffering, and our poverty. Despite the prosperity of the city in which they lived, the Christians of Smyrna were facing extreme poverty. This was probably a direct result of their faith and their loss of employment that accompanied the rejection of idolatrous and immoral trade festivals. Refraining from such festivals would have a negative economic impact on workers and could lead to great poverty. Christ also sympathizes with the affliction of false accusation and blasphemous slander from the Jewish community in Smyrna, directed at the Christian church. It is well attested in the New Testament, the book of Acts especially, that the Jewish community was first and foremost in persecuting the church. This began in Jerusalem and Judea, and continued in a number of cities throughout the Roman Empire that Christian missionaries like Paul and Barnabas visited. For example, in both Iconium and Lystra, the opposition against Paul and Barnabas was instigated by Jewish unbelievers. See Acts 14, 2, and 19. This is what is meant by Christ's phrase, synagogue of Satan. The persecuting Jews say that they are true Jews and the true people of God, 
But in their rejection of Jesus and their persecution of his disciples, they prove that they are of their father, the devil. See John 8:44. Later in the book of Revelation, in chapter 12, verse 10, Satan is described as the accuser of our brothers. The Jewish opposition that the early church faced soon led to Roman persecution throughout the accusations of the Jewish community. We ought to keep in mind, however, that while Jesus' description of the Jewish persecutors as the synagogue of Satan is strong, it does not condone anti-Semitism. We ought to remember that the early church itself was primarily Jewish and largely so remained during the spread of the gospel to the Gentiles during Paul's ministry. When large portions of the city of Pisidian Antioch came to listen to Paul preach the gospel, Jews came to revile the gospel, and they did so out of jealousy, Acts 13, 44, and 45. This jealousy is meant to lead to their inclusion in Christ. Paul writes, So I ask, did they stumble in order that they might fall? By no means. Rather, through their trespass, salvation has come to the Gentiles so as to make Israel jealous. Now, if their trespass means riches for the world, and if their failure means riches for the Gentiles, how much more will their full inclusion mean? Romans 11, 11 and 12. Christians ought to boldly proclaim the salvation of the Messiah to the Jewish people. There is no excuse for abusing or maligning this group of people, as has sadly been the case throughout history, often with scripture used to justify it. Jesus encourages the church to boldly face the suffering they experience for their faith and to not fear it. He gently tells them that they will face imprisonment and even martyrdom for their faith. This is remarkably similar to what Peter writes to the Christians in Asia Minor. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. One commentator sees a connection between the ten days of tribulation that Smyrna's church must face and the ten days of testing that Daniel and the faithful exiles with him faced in Babylon. These ten days are probably symbolic for a short and intense period of persecution, and they allude to Daniel's testing in Babylon. Christ promises that if the Christians are faithful unto death, they will receive the crown of life. Once again, as we saw above, the hope of resurrection informs and inspires faithful witness in the face of opposition and persecution from the world. In verse 8, it was Christ's resurrection that was referenced. In verse 10, it is the promise of resurrection life for the saints themselves. It is also important to note that the tribulation in Smyrna will be the work of the devil, see verse 10. While the physical persecution will be carried out by human agents, the devil is the one behind it all. He is the great enemy of God's people, as the later chapters of Revelation make clear. The phrase, he who has an ear let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches, is repeated in all seven epistles to the Asian churches. The word for church or congregation, ecclesia, is plural here. This indicates that the message is for Smyrna, but is applicable to all the churches in Asia Minor which would receive the letter. It also indicates that the message to the church in Smyrna is applicable to the church throughout history. Christ speaks directly with the Christians in a historical time and place setting, but his words do not just have application to that limited group in that limited setting. We can take much comfort, encouragement, and exhortation from these words addressed to the Christians in Smyrna, just as we can from words addressed to the saints in Rome, Corinth, Ephesus, and even individuals like Timothy. The last note to make regards the final encouragement that Christ gives to his suffering servant saints. The one who conquers will not be hurt by the second death. The second death is defined in Revelation 20.14 as the lake of fire, that is, hell. 
Christ promises that the one who conquers, that is, endures to the end and overcomes, will not face the fires of hell. This is profoundly encouraging to saints who are facing persecution, as many of our own brothers and sisters around the world are, are right now. We may be called by Christ to be faithful unto death, but the death we suffer for the cause of Christ cannot compare to the life we will receive on the other side. We may question how we can apply this passage since we are not facing the kind of persecution promised to the saints of Smyrna, but there are at least two things we should keep in mind. First, we ought not to assume that we won't be faced with such opposition for our faith. The Western Church has, by and large, not felt the sting of overt persecution in recent history, but this may soon change. There are certainly trends and indicators in our culture that warm of storms brewing. The opposition that Smyrna's church faced early on was economic, verse 8, and this already has begun to take place in our own culture. When we read persecution passages in the Bible, our response should not be, this doesn't apply to me, but rather, how can I apply this passage in preparation for suffering for my faith? Second, we are all called to be faithful unto death for the sake of Christ Jesus our Lord. Whether we face intense persecution or not, the call to fight the good fight is a universal call to all believers. As other letters to the churches indicate, persecution is not the only trial we must reckon with. The temptation to assimilate with an idolatrous and seductive culture and the sly deception of false teaching are just as much elements of our spiritual warfare. There is hardly any Christian who does not face these trials. In fact, in a relatively safe and prosperous culture like ours, imprisonment may not be the hardest tribulation, but instead the seduction of an immoral culture and false teachings that appeal to itching ears. See 2 Timothy 4.3. In conclusion, the letter to the church in Smyrna is packed with encouragement for saints who are facing persecution and opposition for their faith and witness for Jesus. Christ knows them intimately and has already passed through death on their behalf. He is with them in the tribulation and waits eagerly on the other side with the crown of life, promised for those who are faithful to the end.